Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here, flying the ship solo still, as uh, I help as I navigate the waters of In the March of Minisodes. Um, a little bit behind on the Minisodes for this week. Um, just a couple of things conspiring against me to uh, to delay production, if you will. One of them being just a little bit more of a, a little bit more to do at work uh, this past uh, this past week and weekend, and then also, I mean that was part of it, but also mostly the bigger part of it was that I was sick as a dog all last week, um, and really didn't have didn't fully have my voice until uh, really until last night. So you know, a little bit behind, wasn't feeling great. Would have been a, kind of a struggle to get through some of these episodes. Uh, believe it or not, it, it actually kind of. Just talking for an extended period of time actually does take a, a little bit of a toll on your voice. But anyway, feeling good now, ready to get these episodes out. So for the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we'll have new minisodes. And then I think I, I should have time this weekend to get one more minisode out for March before we make the jump into April. Which it's hard to believe that that much of the year has already gone by, isn't it? But anyway, this week for the in the March of minisodes... Um, I was inspired, I shouldn't say I was inspired, but there was some stuff that I kind of, some ideas that I kind of had last week and opted not to go forward with them, but um, this this week kind of decided to go for uh, basically the same style of episode every day for the rest of the week, and I'm calling this uh, Straight to Series Week. Uh, the idea kind of, it kind of came off of when, when I was talking about The Last of Us, um, I didn't want to get too far into. I wanted to stick more with the recommendations as opposed to getting into um, kind of the the shift in <clears throat> the shift in video games as legitimate media and this this idea of trans media. Um, it's uh, not not transgender media, but trans media in terms of like uh, media experiences taking taking place on, on the big screen, on the small screen, in video games, in print. Um, the idea that like there's a piece of the puzzle um, on in, in various in various forms and formats. Think about like The Walking Dead is transmedia, uh, where you have The Walking Dead comic uh, that has the story has the main storyline that everything else is based on. The, obviously, the TV shows and their spinoffs, but there's video games that also tell different stories that kind of fill in different parts of the of the Walking Dead universe. Um, so that's that's kind of what I mean by that's what I mean by transmedia. The, I didn't want to get too far into that discussion. It just didn't have anything to do with it. But I, I did kind of think that, that well, that would be a good jumping off point for um, that'd be a good a good jumping off point for the video games. I should say, especially, would be a good jumping off point for a week I'm calling Straight to Series Week, wherein we are going to adapt. Um, we're going to start off with video games, and we're going to move on to movies, and then old TV shows as we adapt or readapt them into current TV series. I think that <clears throat> I think the TV series offer sort of the best. As we're seeing, TV series offer the best sort of option for, especially for video games, but for a lot of stories that we that are kind of sprawling. Um, it's just really hard to pack some of these things into a movie. Um, I could like I could imagine a, a world in where I shouldn't say I could imagine, but in fifteen to twenty years ago, if um, obviously The Last of Us didn't exist then, but fifteen to twenty years ago. Um, if it did exist and it was sort of the same phenomenon, it would have been a movie, you know, maybe like a one or two, you know, it would have been a movie franchise, maybe one, two or even three movies. It just wouldn't, I, I just don't think it would have worked. Um, the, the narrative for that game works much better as episodically and it, it works much better when it has a little bit more time to sort of stretch its legs. Um, you know, same thing. I think that's part of the reason why it took so long for a really proper Halo 
uh, adaptation to come to fruition. Because, and, you know, whether or not you like it or don't like it, I think it's it's overall, I enjoy it. Uh, I think there's some missteps in the first season of Halo. But <clears throat> I'm just happy that we finally, after all these years, finally have a, a, a very faithful and, and sens- sensical um, adaptation for uh, for the main storyline of Halo. You know, that's that's something that years ago, there's always talk about a Halo movie or a Halo movie series. And I just think that, like, yeah, sure, you could you could do a Halo movie. I just don't think you'd be doing the the way the story unfolds and how sprawling it is, the lore that's involved and the mythology that's involved in that game. I just don't think you'd be doing it any any service if you tried to keep it into keep it in a two hour movie, even if you were playing on two or three of them. It just doesn't it just doesn't fit that way. So this is so I think that obviously I think the TV kind of holds the key to a lot of I think TV holds the key one hundred percent for sure to video game adaptations for most of them anyway. Um, but certainly I think that if you want to adapt certain movies and certain, um, obviously if you want to bring back old TV shows, well, there's the, the, the template is already there, but certainly if you want to adapt certain movies and kind of find new audiences for them, I think TV is probably the way to go because you can really tell, you can really expand the storytelling. So again, this whole week is called straight to series week. And for our first straight to series, we will be dealing entirely with video games. Um, so I have three video games I want to talk about, and kind of how I envision them um, being brought to life in, uh, in a TV format. Um, there are there have been <clears throat> excuse me there have been other attempts at TV video games besides The Last of Us. The Last of Us is obviously the, the most successful one. Um, Halo prior to that last year, um, obviously another big one. Along with uh, Resident Evil last year, there's obviously a lot of animated stuff, um, like Castle. There's like a Castlevania animated show. Um, I think I'm, for, I'm forgetting the, the Witcher. I'm, that's really more. There's another example of transmedia. You have books, video games, and now TV shows. Uh, you know, for The Witcher. Um, although you could obviously, it's inspired. A lot of the the visuals are inspired from like the gameplay, but uh, it is more closely related to the book series uh, from Poland. Um, that's what The Witcher is based on. But uh, there, you know, there, these things have been around for for a while. Um, it's so it's, they're not brand new. But I think the the idea of having a more um, a more adult dramatic narrative is is something that's a little bit newer in terms of again like stuff like The Witcher, um, Halo, and The Last of Us kind of being the first wave of um, attempts at more dramatic storytelling and and getting away from. I don't want to say getting away from gameplay mechanics, but like those those kind of things, like doing the first person thing, shooter thing from like Doom, isn't the most important part, right? Like that's the story, the drama, the characters; those are the more important parts before we actually get into um, before we actually get into some of the video game stuff, basically. So, <clears throat> so again, I think uh, that's where we're gonna start with video games. I think are the are the best option, or excuse me, I think TV is the best option for video games at this point. And uh, so, so like I said, I have three here, and then I have uh, three honorable mentions, and kind of the reasons why I don't think they would work exactly uh, as well as we would hope. But um, let's let's kick this thing off. Let's start with a video game that came out in 2016 or 2017. I can't remember exactly. Um, it might have come out in 2016, and I might have been late to the party and played it in 2017. But that is a video game. It, and actually, I played the second one. I never played the first one, oddly enough. But it, it doesn't really matter because uh, the first one didn't have the same narrative um, storyline campaign that, that a lot of action video games do. 
but this one did, and it really definitely improved upon the the, the total product, uh, and that is Titanfall. Um, obviously, I played Titanfall two, which had a little bit more story to it. In the original, it was just it was just a multiplayer game, uh, but it had like some really interesting uh, mechanics that hadn't really been fully realized in in first person shooters and action video games previously. Um, you had sort of two battle options in that game where it was, you know, kind of a standard first-person shooter where you're a soldier, pick up a gun, shoot at other people in, a, in an arena. But you also got to call in uh, your Titan. Um, titans, these Titans were our big mechs, essentially, uh, that, the, that the, uh, the, the soldier, or the pilot as they're called in the games, would control from the inside. Um, and, you know, you'd call them down. That, that would be the Titanfall. They're, you know, in orbit. Uh, they're like you know, on a spaceship or whatever in orbit. And uh, you call them down. They drop down very dramatically, anime style. You hop in, so you can go from combat like that to combat inside your mech, inside inside your Titan. Uh, you can also exit your Titan at, at various points and times and uh, grapple up walls and all kinds of shit like that. It was definitely a very innovative, um, very innovative style of gaming. Um, something that really hadn't been fully realized quite in, until this until this game series came along. Um, and then in, Ti- in Titanfall two, obviously, there's like more of a story. Which is kind of where we're going to pick this up. Uh, Titanfall also spun off uh, the hugely successful um, battle royale game uh, Apex Legends. Uh, it takes place on some of the planets uh, that are mentioned in Titanfall, using some of the factions from Titanfall. Um, but so we are going to kind of pick up the obviously the only story that exists uh, for this game. Uh, we're going to pick up the story from Titanfall Two. So in our Titanfall series, um, you know, just to kind of give a little bit more background here to anyone who's not familiar, uh, humanity is engaged in a conflict at the far reaches of the galaxy, the frontier. On one side is the frontier militia. Those are the good guys. Um, And on the other side is the Interstellar Manufacturing Corporation, or the IMC. Uh, The IMC is very much like the Empire from Star Wars, uh, which is basically an evil company looking to exploit the frontier and take over as many critical worlds as possible, and they do it by any means necessary. They openly destroy inhabited worlds. Uh, they eradicate local planetary wildlife. Uh, they're into unethical experimentation. When they, you know, they they hire mercenaries to uh, to kind of fill out their their ranks of their of their own military. You know, it's never it's never a good thing in any kind of story when a company has its own military. Um, but this company does have a very vast military uh, under their control as they kind of try to spread their dominion over over the burgeoning frontier i imagine this much more as a limited series i I don't think that you could get multiple seasons necessarily out of this especially one of the big problems with this there's like i said there's only two full games under the titanfall banner like like i said there's a there's a spinoff called apex legends and then there was a some mobile games or whatever but like in terms of advancing the story you really only have two games, and of those two games, only one has a complete story, you know, a complete campaign with a beginning-to-end story. So there's not really a ton to work off of here. So I, I think you could sort of, if you wanted to, this think of this as a limited series, and we're just going to tell this particular story beginning-to-end. And this particular story concerns a militia pilot and their AI-powered Titan, um, which, again, are heavily armed and, um, you know, defended uh, mechs, mech suits, essentially, that the pilot controls and wears. Um, but they are but they are also, they also do have, like, an artificial intelligence. And in this particular story, uh, we are going to tell the, you know, the beginning, from beginning to end, how you go from, or I should say in the game, it's you, but uh, this character will go from 
a sort of a rookie pilot or a trainee pilot to um, upending the IMC's plans by the end of the by the end of the campaign and by the end of the series. I think there is a good there's a good chance here for a kind of fun buddy a buddy action movie or excuse me a buddy action TV show. Um, we need a good voice performance for the Titan. Um, the, you know, like I said, like the the Titan itself is AI powered. Um, so it does have like independent thought or whatever, but obviously it's at the at the behest and control of the user. Uh, I should say the pilot uh, when it, when need be, but it can sort of function on its own when it has to. Um, so you know the Titan is is needs to have its own personality and a good voice performance. Um, and it does it does it, this does like leave the door open for an interesting opportunity for there to be to kind of compare it to The Last of Us to have some major uh, Joel and Ellie vibes, right? Like the this, the uh, the campaign story in the video games has you going, you know, kind of surviving a um, surviving an ambush from the IMC. You crash on a planet, and you take over uh, you take over the uh, the Titan from uh, your fallen commander, and then you kind of have to work your way uh, almost um, uh, almost alone. There's there's other um, front, uh, militia forces uh, that help you out along the way, but basically you got to go through the journey alone, and you can kind of. And so when I say that there's like Joel and Ellie vibes uh, from The Last of Us, there's a lot of bonding that you do with the with the Titan, you know, with the with the AI, um, and you kind of become, you know, so like when to spoiler alert for the for this video game now that's you know six years old, six or seven years old, um, you know when when the Titan makes a sacrifice to um, destroy the you know destroy the uh, this uh, insidious super weapon the IMC is cooking up, uh, and then thwart this particular faction of the IMC and, and this particular portion of the frontier when uh, the Titan goes to make a sacrifice. Like it's especially poignant since you two have grown, since you two have grown, grown closer over the campaign. Um, so you can see how that does have major echoes um, from the last, from uh, the last of us as Joel and Ellie have grown co- closer over the, the course of that, that video game campaign. And obviously the series, the episodes of the TV series. So I think there's, um, there's definitely an opportunity here for that uh, for that kind of story but also man we just we need some more like fun action uh, tv shows and this one would have a ton of action in it i mean they are it is this uh, this game is i'm surprised it's it's not rated mature because this game is incredibly violent um there are a lot of people being blown up set on fire there's a lot of um you know uh, people in mech suits crushing other people with uh you know other on other non uh, other soldiers not in mech suits. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. Plus, you'd have like you know the the kind of the interesting way that the combat is laid out would be kind of a fun uh, experimentation for like a really a really good action filmmaker to kind of helm something. There's in other words, just a lot of opportunity here for some fun action stuff. I, I just don't think that we get um, we don't get enough of this kind of action TV unless it is Marvel or um, Star Wars related at this point. So. I kind of want to see something that's um, something that's that's a little bit away that gets away from that sort of I'll call it um, I'll call it sort of gentle violence, wherein I mean obviously there's plenty of violence in uh, like in the Mandalorian, Boba Fett, and whatever else, but um, you know it's not as visceral and gory as uh, the stuff that happens in Titanfall. Um, You know, no one's no one's uh, no one's crushing other people with giant robot hands. Uh, no one's getting blown to bits by uh, by high power weapons. I, I kind of want to see. Not that I'm like thirsting for for gore, but I do kind of want to see like a more adult, 
a more adult action uh, show, one that we, you know, something that we haven't had in quite a while. All right, let's hop into the next video game adaptation here. Uh, I'm going to go sticking with kind of my sci-fi space stuff. Um, just that that's I want to do that, uh, but this time we're going in a very different direction, away from action and into uh, psychological or into horror and psychological horror. And that is a game called Dead Space, uh, a game series called Dead, Dead Space. I believe there's at least at least there's at least three main games, and I believe there's like a couple of spinoffs. And there's like rumors that it might be resurrected um, for a new. Uh, you know, I, I think it, I want to say the game started in like 2008 or 2009, and there's rumors that it might be resurrected here in the near future. Um, <clears throat> Dead Space is survival horror in space. Um, the general synopsis here: uh, Engineer Isaac Clark is called in to investigate the radio silence of a mining ship, the USG Ishimura. Clark discovers that the ship has been overrun by a hostile species of gruesome aliens called necromorphs. With the aid of of recorded messages from his girlfriend, um, a member of the Ishimura's crew presumed dead, Clark investigates what happened on the ship, figures out the origin, you know, tries to figure out the origin of the necromorphs and survive all while trying not to be driven insane by an alien artifact on the ship known as the marker. This, I could see this show having a structure very similar to something like lost um, where, you know, like if, if you remember lost, uh, like we had like a, obviously not everything took place on the Island. In fact, a lot of just pretty much equal parts of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, especially when it came to the character building um, equal parts, were on the island and in their previous lives, you know, whether it was, whether it was Jack or Locke or, you know, someone else in the, of the main cast, main, I mean, there's like 50 people in the main cast, but, um, you know, when you think of like the main cast members, um, you, you get a lot of time in their lives prior to their arrival on the island. And obviously then there's like the, the side, the side reality, um, of, of what could have been and, and some other stuff that, you know, that went on with lost, but a lot of the story, a lot of the character part of the story takes place off island and lost, right? <clears throat> so I could see how Dead Space would kind of utilize a very similar, a very similar structure, where we use the recordings from uh, Clark's girlfriend Nicole, um, again a member of the of the crew that's presumed dead. Uh, use those recordings to start a flashback sequence to an earlier time in their relationship. Um, you know that'll help build some emotional stakes fill in the characters a little bit more, you know, as the main story on the ship progresses. Very much in the same way that, um, you know, if we if we had a Locke-centric episode on Lost, we would get into, you know, his life uh, <clears throat> prior to, you know, prior to, obviously, his arrival on the island, prior to him being paralyzed, prior to, you know, whatever, how, how his life kind of went awry. Um, you could kind of imagine how that sort of format would benefit uh, would be beneficial here in in a in a uh, in a TV series that while there's plenty of like you know you're killing plenty of um, of aliens in Dead Space, there's much more of a it's much more of an atmospheric game. So when you're when you have something like that that lacks the same type of action uh, of something like Titanfall, then we definitely need more character beats in this type of show. And I think that that sort of structure using the um, you know using the 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 at this point, the the voice only presence of his uh, of his lost girlfriend uh, would be a really good way to sort of build up each episode and build and fill in those characters as as he um, as Clark experiences the increasingly intense um, intense encounters with the necromorphs and kind of falls deeper into potential psychosis as this alien device is sort of having an effect on him, um, you know, episode to episode. 
I could even this is actually one I could even see being built over multiple seasons, uh, simply because um, unlike the the short unlike the fact that like the the Titanfall Titanfall would have it has only one you know real main story, uh, or I should say as one game with one, with a main story. Um, Dead Space has multiple games that kind of expand the story um, away from the Ishimura and onto different planets, and these games dive deeper into sort of the mythology of the Marker. They dive deeper into the mythology of this fanatical cult that is obsessed with it and uh, you know wants to obtain it and study it. Um, and obviously, you advance as the character of Clark um, in sort of thwarting the the cult and keeping the the marker from sort of kind of falling into the wrong hands and being unleashed in the wrong way. So I could I could definitely see how um, how Dead Space maybe could could expand to fill two or three seasons potentially. But you could also just you could also kind of keep it like an open and closed sort of um, you know one season type of show, um, but uh, I think I think this is one that has potential for with a little bit more legs than something like Titanfall, um, and I think the and I also think the sort of the because you know this game kind of um, is playing more um, you know trying to play some more emotional notes and play more um, you know play the more psychological terror kind of stuff. I do think you have some some room in each episode to really get not that you would not that you would get like crazy with how each episode is done, but you could imagine like how you could really play with the with the main character's um, sense of reality. You know, he's having hallucinations. Um, he has the recorded voice the, the recorded voice of his girlfriend. Um, you could see how like you could really play into an episode where like the lines between reality and um, and his and his hallucinations are being blurred and how that's going to affect the mission and, and so on and so forth. So I think there's a lot of room here with, with dead space to kind of do something to do something interesting. And again, sort of get into uh, just to sort of continue something else here that like, there's, there's a lot of good sci-fi uh, on TV right now. And I, I want more of it to be a little bit more adult um, where there is, there are, we are dealing with adult themes and consequences where it's not, you know, it's, it's not, um, it, it's not stuff that is swinging close to like Marvel and Disney kind of kind of their kind of sensibilities and what um, sci-fi is. Um, I, I do kind of want the pendulum to swing back in favor of more adult sci-fi properties. And to wrap up my um, my three main selections here, I'm going to go with a game that I've heard about repeatedly, but I never got around to playing it. It just it seems very very interesting though, and, and after kind of diving into it, I, I think it's something we're going to have to play uh, soon here. And this is this is definitely a, a little bit out of left field, but I think this probably has the most promise in terms of something that could be um, easily adapted into into a, a TV story format. And that is the, I guess you'd call it the adventure, uh, the adventure narrative game. Uh, what remains of Edith Finch? And this is a game exploring uh, these like family secrets through like these little um, in-game mini games and vignettes. So, <clears throat> to get to the story here, Edith Finch, Edith Finch returns to her family home to kind of discover the truth about a curse that has haunted her family for generations and how it plays into the untimely demise of her relatives. Uh, she is the last remaining member of the Finch family and kind of has obviously inherited the, the family home. Um, I think it's in the Pacific Northwest someplace. I, I don't remember exactly, but I think that's where it takes place. <clears throat> so... Um, the gameplay, and this is where this is actually where the the gameplay 
I, as I mentioned before, um, the, the way that you sort of really as, as the recent successful video game adaptations are showing, the, the thing you need to do is get away from as much of being tied to the gameplay as much as possible. Um, you know, it, you, you want to include elements of the gameplay as a nod to, to fans of the games and obviously to kind of create some interesting, um, interesting moments, interesting action moments and what have you. But I think you you general in general need to get away from being um, too devoted to the me- mechanics of the game. But in this case, the mechanics of the game, the gameplay style, actually really lends itself perfectly to um, to a st- to a storytelling format. So the gameplay the the each you know you're kind of like what it's first off it's not like a, a linear narrative. You're not going from one part of the story to the next. You can kind of go to wherever you want in the story. So, um, you know, you as Edith Finch can go um, investigate, like, a, an old book that has, you know, that belonged to her uncle or something and go through, like, that, um, you know, photo album, let's say. Like, go through that photo album, and in that photo album is, like, a game where you try to uncover more of the story and more of the narrative. And then if you want to, you could go to the object that's nearest or you could go into another room of the house and go into like her grandfather's bedroom or whatever to to explore that. So it's a nonlinear story, but each piece of the story kind of contains um, clues to to what is exactly plaguing uh, the Finch family. And I think simply by the simply because the game itself is set up like a almost like an anthology or, or vignettes. Um, this is almost the game itself is almost already episodic, so you could very easily translate the game into a i'll call it for lack of a better term um you can call it like an anthology i mean obviously it's the same story about the finch family but it's different stories from different time periods with different with different people as like sort of the main characters and it's their part of the story um so i i don't know anthology vignettes whatever you want to call them um but you could 100 percent imagine how this series would work out and because the gameplay is because the the games within the game are very different um, in terms of their their style, you know, the game style, but also more importantly, the art design of each game is very different. You could easily see how you would take you would take this sort of um, structure, and if you were to make a twelve episode season, let's say, you might have five or six different directors um, and and uh, you know to helm the the vision behind it. Um, you could see, you know, you could have animated episodes, um, li- you know, obviously live action episodes. You could have ad- episodes with very dramatic or comedic tones to them. Um, you could, you know, um, because it spans like, a, you know, it's a multi-generational family that has been played by this curse. Um, you know, you could you could do a vignette that talks about her grandfather back in, you know, World War One, Or you could do, you know, a more modern story, uh, you know, about her uh, about her brother or uncle or something like that. Like there's a lot of room to play with the, the format here, simply because the game the game itself has a lot of um, has a lot of different different tones and different um, storytelling styles within the game that still make sense to the larger narrative. So I think that this to me this honestly sounds like I know that there's going to be a run on these on these video game adaptations with with the success of the recent ones. And to me, this almost sounds like catnip um, <laughs> in terms of, in terms of offering something that's a little bit different, but still 
has like a very dedicated fan base and like Edith, if you go look up reviews and um, you know general comments about uh, what remains of Edith Finch, you'll see this is like one of the this is one of the most highly rated games of all time. Um, it's more recent, but it is one of the most highly rated games of all time. And to me, this 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 particular story and the way you could present this story um, just sounds like catnip for a studio looking to. Um, looking to develop their own um their own video game adaptation um so what remains of edith finch is my sort of like wild card one that uh, i think has a lot of definitely has some legs um and you could even it could even kind of be like the basis for a it could even be sort of the basis for an ongoing anthology season right like um the way that um the the terror is you know the way that the terror um for amc was like sort of their their springboard for a horror anthology series um the way that um obviously like stuff like um uh, american horror story like you could imagine it being sort of that being sort of what remains of edith finch being the jumping off point for this sort of um storytelling uh model on on some network all right and lastly here i have uh, to wrap up i have some honorable mentions um for games that i think that obviously have enough story to them but may may not work for one reason or another or maybe like you need to well i'll I'll get into the specific specifics here but um my three honorable mentions here were destiny call of duty believe it or not and wolfenstein particularly um the the new colossus and uh, new order um but destiny to start off has great story potential like this the world of destiny is massive and it has a lot of lore, a lot of mythology, and I think that sort of is good, but also kind of bad, because um, again, I think the instinct is always to try to tell, like, to cram as much into one thing as possible. So it might be hard to find a starting point. And additionally, the the original game is a little bit the story from the original game is jumbled because of a lot of changes early on in the production and the story of the first game and characters and all kinds of stuff were changed. I don't want to call it last minute, but in in terms of the gaming industry, it might as well have been last minute. There are a lot of um, a lot of changes made, and it really it took several years to sort of straighten out and make the narrative a little bit more comprehensive and understandable because of how jumbled it was at the beginning. So I think you could there is there is room here to tell a story. I think again the the um, the instinct for any studio would kind of be to stick with the familiar characters. Um, so like, you know, the, the characters voiced by, and this has actually been very bittersweet as a, as a player of this game, it's been very bittersweet recently, but, um, uh, Lance Reddick was, it was one of the, um, the main non-playing characters, uh, Commander Zavala, and it was actually very touching to see, um, if you, if you logged into the game after his death, um, he had, uh, various players, um, paying homage and standing guard at his, uh, at his character's post, um, in the uh, in one of the, the gameplay centers, which is really really nice, um, but uh, but you could like again you could imagine a imagining how or knowing how these studios kind of want to stick to like what everyone knows. Um, I feel like they would try to kind of cram too much of like what the main storyline is in the video game, whereas because this because of this um, really deep, I, I mean they. This is how deep the mythology and the lore is for Destiny. They are actively, uh, they probably already hired someone, but I know they kind of on and off are looking for people to sort of be uh, historians for the story of Destiny because it's so expansive. Um, And, you know, this is the same studio that did Halo. And Halo has, you know, despite it being a very, you know, on the one hand, kind of a straightforward 
um, military, you know, military type game, military first person shooter. There's a ton of lore and backstory into in both the in terms of both the UNSC and also the Covenant and other alien races that that you encounter. Um, so it's you know they have the kind of they you know the Bungie has uh, these these storytelling chops and they're very into sort of making a very expansive mythology. Um, so I think that to me I, I would as a fan of the games and as a fan of um, a lot of the storytelling that they, that they do, I would either grab onto a story that is separate from the main storyline or create an entirely new character and storyline that kind of runs adjacent to some of the stuff that, that you do in the game. I think I, I do think attacking it directly just wouldn't be the way to go. I really think any Call of Duty, any Call of Duty game could function as a show. It would just be a very standard military show. So in that case, I would take a story from one of the games dealing with like one of the fictional wars, right? Like you know, obviously there's plenty of like world. It started Call of Duty started as like a World War Two, um, a World War Two game, and it has since expanded to include Vietnam and. Um, but I think like some of the better expansions are, excuse me, some of the better expansions of the franchise are the fictional wars. Um, the you know the fictional. U.S.-Russia conflict from modern warfare would be very topical right now, um, certainly. And, um, you know, there's other, if you wanted to get into some of the other stuff, like the, um, uh, you know, Call of Duty Black Ops, you know, dealing with more of the um, the clandestine world of military operations uh, would be a good starting point, too. I sub, You know, I think, I think if you just start with a general uh, World War II story, while it, not that it wouldn't be bad, in fact, it would probably be very good, but it would still just be very. It would it would then become a very standard military show, a very standard time um, you know time period uh, military show. So I think um, if you were to do a Call of Duty show, you would want to dive into one of the fictional conflicts uh, that's presented in the game. Lastly, to wrap up here, Wolfenstein, particularly uh, the New Order, the New Colossus. Um, this would be a, a cool ass fun show, but it would be one thousand percent completely over the top ludicrous um so you are you play as the main character bj blaskowich um uh, i think it's like uh bj the butcher or the butcher blaskowich i can't remember what, what they call you by the end of the game but um you are fighting nazis in a night in alternate 1960s where they won the war with the aid of advanced of super advanced military tech stolen from a um futuristic ancient jewish society <laughs> which is all that sounds ludicrous but it is a lot of fun. You battle Nazis in Nazi Germany. Um, you fight their giant robot dogs, and um, you fight their enhanced super soldiers. Um, you even battle them on the moon, and uh, you know you 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 murder Nazis on live Nazi-controlled state TV. Um, it's it's a ludicrous premise for for a, for a TV show, but it would still be kind of fun to see like a one-man wrecking crew torture and, and obliterate Nazis. Uh, and again, something that would probably be very topical right about now, um, as uh, as anti-Semitism and uh, alt-right alt-right lunatics um, apparently want to spin us back to uh, want to spin us back to some kind of alternate 1960s where the Nazis won. So it would be kind of it would be like I said a little bit too ludicrous probably for a TV show. Um, if you did want to if you did want to adapt this, you'd have to tamp down some of the more bizarre shit. But like it would be kind of fun to just watch some dude unload on a bunch of nazis and just obliterate them left and right would be kind of fun all right that's it for this particular minisode and uh, we will catch you tomorrow as we dive into 
movies that we would adapt to, into uh, into a TV series. Until next time, take it easy. <laughs>